The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Our Old Testament reading comes to us from the final chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah 66. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? What is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this, this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me declares the Lord. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. I remember how closely I watched his hands. It was actually all that you saw of him in this depiction. And I watched his hands. Which direction would they go? Would they go to the left or would they go to the right? And there was no hesitation to his hands. There was no ringing or waiting or wandering. Only authority, left or right. His hands were sitting above a courtroom bench, swiftly pointing either to the left or to the right. And I remember the sound which would follow the verdict made by the hands, either a scream of terror or a squeal of delight. I was 13 years old, and I was shaking in my boots. Eyes wide open to this reenactment of the final judgment day. The hands represented on the stage were the judges, Jesus. And the name of the play was called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And each scene had in it a vignette of a person coming to the end of their life and then standing before the judge's hands. And I don't remember much else, even the possibility that Murray Freilich actually played one of the actors in this dramatic presentation. I just remember the hands. Left or right? Hell or paradise? Eternal death or everlasting life? And 38 years later, friends, standing before you, I can now gratefully say that based upon my study of Isaiah 66, that thank the Lord, I was scared into salvation. 
Because up until that point in my life, I believed in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I did. I believed that God made the heavens and the earth. I did. I believed that Jesus died on a cross and rose again. I did. I believed the direction, though, of his hands was up to these hands. My hands. My filthy, stinking, self-righteous hands. I believed it was up to me to determine which direction Jesus' hands would go. Manipulate God into him being happy with me by living more good than bad. I'll go to church on Sunday and I'll make sure to bring the bulletin back so my parents can see I went and I was a good boy. I won't swear I'll get good grades. I won't get into too much trouble. And I'll certainly keep quiet and keep closed the dark closet of thoughts that come into my mind. The dark deeds that I would do in secret. Oh, and I would certainly compare myself. I'd compare myself to others so that my hands come out looking at least a little cleaner than the criminal next to me. The directions of Jesus' hands in my unbelief was directed by the external cleanness of my hands, not the foulness of my heart. I hope that you've heard throughout this fall time in Isaiah the theme repeated over and over again in your ears, friends. The true reality of this, God saves Sinners. Sinners don't save sinners. Sinners cannot save themselves. There is nothing you can do on your own to save yourself. Salvation, this work, this plan of saving sinners from death and from hell is the Lord's and the Lord's alone. And I hope you remember, friends, that Isaiah, the author, the prophet, in chapter 6 was scared into salvation as well as he stood before the throne room of a holy, holy, holy God. And his response to the powerful perfection of God was this, Whoa! Not only are my hands filthy, but my lips are filthy, which open up from my heart, which is filthy. I am completely unclean and unacceptable to stand before a holy, holy, holy God. To your left should rightfully go me to be removed from your presence, holy, holy, holy God. Hell, I deserve God. But from the altar of God's grace came a coal put upon Isaiah's dirty mouth and filthy heart to make him clean. God saved a sinner. And the rest of Isaiah's book, the rest of his writing, is a treatise on scaring anyone who would listen into salvation. This last chapter and even this last verse of this book is to warn you to see that trusting in yourself, trusting in mankind, trusting in earthly power, trusting in position will lead you to the left 
away from God's presence, but trusting completely in God who promises to send a servant, Emmanuel, God with us. Trusting in that servant will point you to the right, to a new heaven and a new earth yet to come. Friends, sitting here this morning, God has only one of two directions, two futures waiting for you. Everlasting death or everlasting eternal life. And what you take with you to judgment day determines the direction of his hands. What you take with you to that judgment day, which is coming, determines the direction of his hands. And there's two questions that Isaiah 66 asks. First question is this, will you take with you what your hands have done? Or number two, will you plead only what his hands have done? So the first question for us is this, what happens to the person who takes to judgment day what his hands have done? Look with me at verses 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declared the Lord. These words may not initially sound angry, but they are. Because in the previous chapter, in the words which make up most of this chapter, chapter 66, the Lord is going after those who believed they could manipulate God by playing the religious card. The people of God have become like the pagans. They're trying to make God happy, or at least less angry, by doing all of these external things to look good. They'll use their hands to build big temples. They'll use their hands to sacrifice lots of animals' bloods, even pigs' bloods, unclean pigs' bloods. They'll use their hands to shake hands with other big nations or kings to make themselves safe and secure. They'll use their hands to make a little bit of heaven here on earth. And while all the while they're doing this, the poor are being neglected, sin is being ignored completely, and the God who alone can save is also being forgotten. And God in this passage is saying this, don't you dare believe that you can contain me and manipulate me by what your hands could build. My hand made all of this. And the reason you breathe is because I made it so. I made heaven to sit down, and I made earth to put my feet up. I'll never be like your little gods that you made up in your heads or you created with your hands so that you could be happy. Never will I be that kind of God. I had the privilege this morning baptizing river in the waters of God's grace. And as I mentioned earlier, we don't believe that the sacrament of baptism will save river because... Friends, then whose hands would his salvation be up to? His mama's who brought him to the water or mine who poured the water over his head? No, no. But what we do believe about baptism, what we do believe this sacrament is saying is that it is on God and God alone to save that boy. 
through the pierced hands and feet and side of Jesus, which flowed with blood and water. That is what will save River. And we pray that by God's grace, that as he's raised in the church to hear the good news of the gospel that Jesus saves week in and week out, that in the nursery, in kids' table, in the preached word, in the bedtime stories he has read to him, in the prayers which are prayed for him, that his eyes would be open to see that his hands are filthy, that his heart is foul, but the perfect blood of Jesus washes him clean and points the hand of judgment off of river and onto Christ. We didn't make baptism to make ourselves feel better before God. No, God made baptism to show us, to remind us we are better, we are cleaner, we are whole only because of Jesus. So I want to ask us this question this morning. What hands are you taking with you to Judgment Day? If you're taking your own hands, I want to give you three signs that might be an indicator that that's true of you. Maybe the first sign is denial. You don't even believe there's a judgment day. You die and that's it. God in his grace has brought you to All Saints Presbyterian Church on this day to read Isaiah 66. To see that your denial will not delay the trial that's coming upon you. You've been warned. And so you are now without excuse. Judgment day is coming. Your day in court is coming. You will stand before a holy God to be judged. Face reality. Don't deny it. Second sign you might be taking your own hands into judgment day is that maybe you can't deny the truth of God any longer. So what you end up doing is you sign up for distraction. Maybe God is trying to get your attention through suffering, through an illness, through an ache, through a void that just won't go away. The pain of people hurting you, loneliness, rejection. He's giving you his offer of help, but instead, what do you choose? You sign up for distraction. You snap. You app. You turn on the television trap. You distract yourself away from it. Friends, I want to encourage you, if that's you, to eat the frog instead. What are you talking about, Chad? Eat the frog is the expression that means do the hard thing first instead of distracting yourself with some easy things. Eat the frog. See your dirty hands. See your filthy mouth. See your hardened heart. Own it. Admit it. Friends, the problem is not coming from outside the building. It's not their fault that this world is a mess. No, sin lives inside of you. What is wrong with the world is not just Hamas or the LGBTQ plus community or the evangelical right or Joe Biden or Donald Trump. No, the problem is you. It's me. Eat the frog. The third sign you might be taking your own hands into judgment is what you do when you stop denying, when you stop distracting, and you see your sin. What might you start to do and tempted to do? Get busy. Start desperately doing things. 
desperately doing to wash your hands of your sin. Sign up all over the community and become a volunteer. Come to church 53 weeks a year. Put away all the booze and the beer. Pray long, impressive prayers for both God and the rest of the world to hear. Lead a small group. Become a pastor. Serve as a missionary in the city of Tangier. Friends, desperately doing is actually making your hands dirtier. You're trying to make and manipulate God into liking you and loving you. It won't work. God won't have it. Making things right with God by resting on something you do will only lead you to the left. So where do we go from here? What happens when we plead only what his hands have done? Let's begin looking at the second half of verse 2. But this is the one to whom I will look. That's a look, that's a look of favor. That's God's attention, his eye being on someone with love. This is who I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. What God is looking for is not an impressive resume or a list of accomplishments or straight-A grades or the number of tournaments you've won or points you scored in your best game. Here's what moves his heart to change the direction of his hands. Someone who's humble might be better translated as afflicted. A person who's in a position of defeat. They are low. They are poor. They are unable to do themselves out of a situation. And they're admitting, like step one of AA, I'm powerless. I'm unable to change myself. That's what humble means. And their contrite in spirit means they demonstrate a desire to see a change, but they honestly admit only something outside of me could help me. It's like a paraplegic who's been left out in the middle of that field in the bitter cold. They are helpless. It's like a newborn baby who's been left on the doorstep in a box, helpless. Like a 95-year-old who's asked to climb the top of Mount Everest, helpless. I can't do this. I need help. Humble, contrite, and the one who trembles at my word. This was me at heaven's gates and hell's flames. I knew for the first time in that moment, I deserved the left. I was not a sheep. I was a goat, and it wasn't greatest of all times. No, in a holy God's sight, I was a godless, overachieving, atheist traitor to God. And I shook at the direction of his judgment. I rightly deserved hell, which we see described in verse 24, one of the only, one of two places in the Old Testament in which hell is described. Look at this. Corpses of people who have rebelled against me. These are people who have denied God, who've distracted away from God, and who have desperately been in rebellion in place of God. For their worm shall not die, and their fire shall not be quenched. 
and they shall be in abhorrence. It's kind of like when you go, and abhorrence is like when you go into a really smelly porta potty and you're like, mm, mm, that's what he's talking about. When you see this, you just want to vomit. An abhorrence to all flesh. This is the awful reality that made me shake. What lies to the left for me. This is a picture of what it's like to live outside of the kingdom of God. And he describes it. There's, there's this, these they that come and look upon what they see there. These are worshipers of God who are leaving the city of God. And they're coming upon what's outside a city is a dump. It's a place where things are burning up. Trash is burning up. And it smells awful. You ever been to the Brown County Refuse Station and dropped off stuff? I can't stay there too long. Because that smell just does not leave you. And they see what a life lived according to human hands looks like. They look at the dump. This is shame. These bodies. Friends, in the Jewish world, bodies were never to be burned. That is a huge sign of disrespect of what God has made. And they were never to be left out in the open to decay. They were to be wrapped up and buried quickly. And those maggots, they never stop eating. And that fire never loses its fuel. If you believe hell is temporary, this verse proves you untrue. This is forever. I remember when Bliss and I were taking our compost over to our neighbors. Julie, we share a compost pail. And Bliss had forgotten to take the compost quick enough. And it was starting to get warm. It was springtime. And so we brought the bag over to the compost pail and opened it up and undid it. And before we even undid it, we saw the bag was moving. Yeah, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm. And we opened the bag up to thousands of maggots crawling all around the food. Ooh, ooh, abhorrence. That's what it looks like, friends. Those maggots never stop eating. The fire never stops burning. It is our fate and our future if our judgment day be left to saving ourselves by our own hands. Anyone shaking yet? It's a powerful picture of the just judgment of God. Friends, without this being around the city, without this dump existing, there's no gospel there's no good news of salvation, of what God saved us from. This is why the worshipers look upon the dump, not as gloaters like, ah, see, I got this, but you got it. No, but as rejoicers in a God who gave them what they didn't deserve, gave me victory, gave me salvation. And as we leave these doors today, as we leave this worship place today, remember the fate and the reality of those who are still living according to their own hands and tell them, no, 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 your future is bleak. Your future is awful. Your future is wretched without God. 
What do we do, friends, then, with our hands at judgment? We put them up in surrender. We raise them up as guilty. And we plead, friends, the only mark of the new heavens and the new earth that shows and reveals God's salvation. What is that mark that we plead, friends? It's Jesus' nail-pierced hands. Look with me at verses 22 to 23. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make by God's hands, not ours, shall remain, meaning it will last, it will endure, it's never going to shake before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain, last, endure, never to be shaken. From new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, and I love the way the message translates this, month after month and week after week, all flesh, which means all mankind, not just the Jewish nation, but people from every nation and tongue shall come to worship before me. They shall raise their forever clean hands and hearts before the God who saves sinners, declares the Lord. What saves? What remains in the new heaven and the new earth of the old heaven and the old earth? Jesus was insistent with his disciples as they gasped and they gaped at his resurrected body. <gasps> what is going on here? Where did he encourage them to look when they saw his body? His resurrected body, who, friends, right now still exists. Where did he ask them to look? See my hands. See my feet. See my side. At his scars. At the wounds in his hands and feet inside. These wounds will last throughout eternity as a visible reminder to what only his hands could do. Only you could save me. Only you could trade places with me. Bleed innocent lamb's blood for all of us guilty goats. When we stand before Jesus the judge, the only way to raise his hand into the right direction, to the place, go into the place where I'm making all things new, to the place where my love and my presence will be with you all the time. The only way for his hand to go to the right is for us to plead the wounds that pled for us. By his wounds, you have been healed. As I stand before the Lord, if I see any good that I have done in my life, I will not look at it before the judge and say, you're good? You happy with that? No, I'll say, you did that. Your hands did that. Your spirit did that, not me. And when I see all the awful, evil things my hands have done, people I've hurt, places I've plundered, sins I thought would satisfy, a good God whose role I took over and I stole, I will say, those hands, Jesus, those hands that will always remain, always last, are the only thing that I plead. What I bring to the judgment day is those hands, those feet, that work in making me righteous. That's all I bring. That's what I bring. I'll close with this, which would be what I hope to be the song 
I would be singing before the judgment seat of God. And I hope I can get through it this morning, this singing pastor. Not what my hands have done can save my guilty soul. Not what my toiling flesh has borne can make my spirit whole. Not what I feel or do can give me peace with God. Not all my prayers and sighs and tears can bear my awful load. These guilty hands are raised. Filthy rags are all I bring. And I have come to hide beneath your wings. Thy work alone, O Christ, can ease this weight of sin. Thy blood alone, O Lamb of God, can give me peace within. Your love to me, O God, not mine, O Lord, to thee, can rid me of this dark unrest and set my spirit free. These holy hands are raised, washed in the fountain of your grace. And now I wear your righteousness. Whose hands will you plead on your judgment day? It doesn't have to leave you shaking. It can be turned to hope, to rest, to joy, to freedom. If you trust Christ's hands to carry your sin and to set you free. Choose today the one who lives to plead his wounds for you. Give your life into Christ's hands. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these last words of Isaiah. Words of warning. But the whole message of the book is words of hope. We pray that we would not be a people who read Isaiah's words and respond in rebellion. We pray we would be a people who read Isaiah's words and respond with humility, respond with repentance, and Lord, respond with saying to you, there's nothing we can do, we only plead what you have done for us. Respond with the cross of Jesus Christ. May the cross be our covering on Judgment Day. And may you continue to work in our lives here to preserve us and keep us until that day. May we go from this place of worship looking out at people who are living according to their own hands. And may we boldly, by your spirit and compassionately, by your grace, communicate the truth that we were pulled from that garbage dump from that heap of bodies, that heap of worms, that heap of fire. And we were spared because of what Jesus has done with his hands. We pray this in his name.